My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Our Sunday School. I'm glad you're here this morning. You've got your Bibles. Open up to Mark chapter 3, and we'll be there in just a minute. And we'll start with uh, the question that we ask. (laughs) There we go. The question that we ask each week uh, at the beginning of this series, which is what is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? So, What is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? Yes, ma'am, Miss Darla? No? You know what God does, Miss Darla? God, the Holy Spirit takes his word and he illuminates it so that we can understand it. So I love the fact that you keep talking because it's a testament to the fact that the Holy Spirit is illuminating. She does this to me every Sunday morning because I want to go teach a lesson on that right now. So that's the, it is all the parts we have, right? So you know where I got that concept? I probably should have attributed it at the, in the moment. Uh, I saw, where were we at? I do this to Julie all the time. I'm like, I know that thing. You remember that thing on that day in that place? And I look at her and she's like, I have, like, I don't even know what city or state you're in. Uh, Bob Goff, the last time we saw Bob Goff, it was at the Chattanooga Convention Center. Yes, for the what event? For on point event. Yes, excellent, great. Um, if Bob Goff shows up in and around the Chattanooga area, I'm going. So, because he's a fantastic speaker. And he talked about uh, the fact that he had something wrong with his hand. And he was standing in a group and he found himself like putting his hand behind his back. And he said he realized like he was hiding the parts that were not perfect. And that's where I was going with that. So, it wasn't original at all. You wrote it in. Awesome. All right. So what is God doing you doing in you through uh, his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? Yes, ma'am. Miss Sherry. Um, <laughs> yes. You have a brace on your hand, right? Yes. Yeah. So I'm glad that God Amen. He does. And we're going to talk about the opposite of that concept today, too. We are, in fact. And I've been waiting to wear this specific T-shirt for several months. So if I haven't explained it by 935, Miss Shanda, please, like, ask me, because this has something to do with the lesson today. So 
Some of you are like, are we going to have a math lesson? No, we're not. I've, I've consciously, intentionally resisted the urge because I could. Like there's a word in here where we absolutely could talk about platonic solids, and we are not going to. So, But my geometry... It's not the Herodian. No, no, no. <laughs> we'll get there. So, All right, so if you got your Bibles, uh, open up to uh, Mark chapter 3. And we'll read all of Mark chapter 3, and then we'll come back and start talking about verse uh, 13, and we'll go until we run out of time. So Mark chapter 3. Again, he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great crowd followed from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea, and from beyond the Jordan and from around the Tyre and Sidon. When the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him. And he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. For he had healed many, so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make him known. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the twelve, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boanerges, that is, sons of thunder, Andrew, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again, so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, He is out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, He is possessed by Beelzebul, and by the prince of demons he casts out demons. And he called to them, he called them to him and said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying he has an unclean spirit. And his mother and brothers came, and standing outside they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. All right, so we're going to start today in verse 13. 
And who do we meet? So who do we meet today in today's text? Who? The apostles, yes. We finally meet them as a group together, right? So uh, let me ask you a question. And, and Mark is, I want to say awful. It's, uh, he's, he's lacking in you being able to answer this question. But how far along are we into the ministry of Jesus at this point? See anybody chronologically know? Mark does not give us the <laughs> markers <laughs> that the other Gospels... <laughs> that was for you. That was for you. Uh, that the other Gospels give us, um, and you guys have probably heard that you know, Jesus had a ministry of about three years, right? And we, we know that from some of the Gospels talk about um, three specific uh, events that occur once a year that occurred in the specific order in the Gospels. Um, but from the other Gospels, we know that this is somewhere within that first year of Jesus' ministry. So we, we think it's, it could be even in the first six months of his public ministry. So it's a few months into uh, his public ministry. So we see him uh, gathering the apostles together. So that's, that's kind of the big picture as we go into the text today. So uh, on page 82 of your handout, so those of you that are not aware, this is part of a larger document, larger series. This is week 26 in Mark. So welcome. Thanks for coming. You haloed into the middle of it. So verse 13. Uh, and the way our, our handout here is structured is we've got the, the ESV, and then in brackets are the information about the Greek word for each one of the English words. So you've got and, and then the uh, Strong's number, uh, the Greek word, the English uh, transliteration, the definition, and then how many times that shows up in Mark. And I've highlighted some things that I want to focus on as we go through. So... And he, so who is he? Jesus, yes. Mark is astoundingly consistent with using pronouns instead of names uh, for us in his gospel. So you, for me, every time I see a pronoun, I think, okay, who are we talking about here? So, and Jesus went up on the mountain. So has anybody ever been to Israel? Looking around. How big are the mountains in Israel? Does anybody know? In this part of Israel? Does anybody know? We would call them what here? Hills, yes. We would call them hills. Uh, it's like mountain-like, <laughs> if you haven't seen a real mountain. <laughs> right? So he, he went up on a, a, this higher place, this mountain. It's, it's lifting itself above the plain. And he called. So I've got a couple of these verses highlighted here. So let's look at uh, Mark seven fourteen to see where else uh, Mark uses this particular word. Mark seven fourteen, because I've heard sermons on this particular text, and I've heard preachers talk about this specific word in a way that Mark just doesn't use it. So I want I want to make sure I don't put more into this particular word than what Mark is actually kind of talking about here. So Mark seven fourteen, and he this is Jesus. He called the people to him again and said to them, "Hear me, all of you, and understand." There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. So is he calling these people to follow him and dedicate their lives to him? What's he doing? Like, listen up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. Come here. Get closer so you can hear this, right? Uh, Mark eight thirty four. Very similar concept here. In calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. 
I love it when the audio Bibles go off in class. It's fantastic. I have no idea where it came. I have no real sense of direct. Okay, great. I was like, I felt like it was somewhere over here, but I don't know. Awesome. By the way, um, I was not born knowing how to pronounce Itamea in today's text. I can pronounce it because that's how the audio Bible guy who says the ESV says it. So if he's wrong, then I'm wrong too. But I'm pretty sure he practiced once or twice with somebody who knew. So um, it's okay to learn how to pronounce words from somebody else because that's how we all learned all of them. All right. So and then Mark fifteen forty four. So this is uh, the time of Jesus' burial, Mark fifteen forty four. Pilate was surprised to hear that he, Jesus, should have already died. And summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he was already dead. You're like, well, I don't see the word called. That's why we count the words in Greek, because the Greek words get translated into multiple different English words. So what's the word there? Summoned, right? Yes, it's just it's the, the come here, come here, come here. Now, we do know from the context and from the next 13 chapters of Mark that Jesus does, in fact, intend to do something very, very special with these 12 people, right? There is something special about this particular one, but the word itself is just the normal word for, hey, come here. All right? So I just want to make sure we got that. So he, he went up on the mountain and he called. He called to those. He called to him, Right? And this is, um, so can I just have a, I'm going to chase a, a, a rabbit for just a second. This is a great uh, cult meter indicator question. Okay, so if you have somebody that you listen to them and they are calling you to them personally, your cult meter should be like pegging out here. If they are calling you to Jesus, okay, this is different. But when somebody calls like you to them personally, that's not who we are supposed to be after. Now, Jesus could call people to himself because he's Jesus, right? Um, and that's what he does here. So he went up on the mountain and he called to him those whom he desired. Those whom he desired. I love the word uh, desired here. And it's determined or chose. Uh, it's in the... Uh, the imperfect tense. Uh, and if you're new to our class, we do a lot of grammar stuff in here because Greek has a ton more complexity than English does. When you read uh, English, it's, it's a very flattened out kind of a language relative to the complexity of Greek. Uh, and the imperfect means action continually or repeatedly happening in past time. So, so put that into this sentence. So you've got, he called to them those whom he desired. When did he desire them? Isn't that beautiful? Yes, from way back when, from as far back that way beyond as far as that way will go. So this was not a... I, I don't want us to get the opinion that Jesus lived about 30 years, went up on a mountain, hummed a little bit, looked really spiritual and said, I think I will now decide who I will pick. No, 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 no. That's, just, that's not how any of this worked, right? So he called to those whom he desired, whom he determined, whom he chose, whom he preferred. And then there's this beautiful phrase, and it, this phrase, and they came, reminds me of Genesis chapter 1, right? I don't, that's just a New Testament. I need the whole one. I, 
keep a Bible over there stashed. Don't ever take that Bible if you come in this classroom. That is my backup spare, all right? Some of you have like a backup handgun on you. I don't have a backup handgun on me. I have a backup Bible stashed in this room, all right? This, there's this beautiful, uh, re- relentlessly pounding thing that happens in Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 3. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light, right? Uh, and God said, uh, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And it was so. Verse 9, and it was so. Verse 11, and God said, and it was so. Verse 14, then God said, in verse 15, and it was so. You see this? Like this pattern started thousands of years earlier, so that when Jesus shows up and He calls people, those whom He desired, and they what? They came. Yes, they did. They came. Now, it's a whole different conversation, and we're not going to get into it today. We might get into it somewhere around chapter 11, uh, whether or not how much choice they had in this coming process. That's a whole different question. Uh, But these 12 came. And then verse 14, and he, you got to go to the next page in your handout. Who's the he there? And Jesus appointed. Now, if you have a different translation, you may have a different word there in English for appointed. So what else you got? What other words do you have in your, if you have a different translation? I don't ask this question very often, but ordained, ordained right? The, the Greek literally just means to make or to do. It's kind of the, the, the normal, typical word in, in Mark for just to make something, right? So how did they, so he appointed the 12 whom he also uh, named apostles. So, so how did they become apostles? He made them apostles, Right? Okay, so this is, this is a really critical, critically important point for where we are living geographically today. Because at different times of the year, you can drive through Chattanooga and you can see billboards. And the billboards will say something like, come here, apostle so-and-so. And I just want to ask, did Jesus make you an apostle? Did you see him? If you didn't see him, you don't get to carry that title. He hands those out, right? Like, personally. <laughs> I get it's not a, well, so-and-so, and then this is past it. No, 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 Like, personally. Okay? So when you see apostles on billboards, they're not apostles. Like, not. Okay? So he appointed the twelve. What's the highlighted word there? Dodeca. Yes. If you've studied geometry, you know that one of the five platonic solids is, in fact, a dodecahedron. Somewhere my geometry teacher, Miss Artis Rittenberry, is smiling right now. And she has no, she's like, I feel a disturbance in the mathematical force. And it's just it's like, yes, it's good. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Have you figured out the shirt yet? Don't focus on the lines. How many circles are there? There's 13 circles. Oh, what? Yes, okay. If you haven't seen it already, Miss Darla, out of my uh, old t-shirts, she made me this fantastically wonderful pulpit cover. Her husband made the pulpit. Just, it's, it's like so much artistic ability, it's not even funny. 
So these are all my old t-shirts. This one right here is my old pie t-shirt. It's the digits of pie. So how much of a math geek do you have to be to walk around with a t-shirt with like the digits of pie, right? Hi. <laughs> and you can't fold it. It's like a fitted bed sheet. So don't think I'm being disrespectful. It's, it's not possible to fold. All right, dodeca, there we go. He pointed the 12. It just means 2 and 10. It's a dozen. Whom he also named. So he gave them this specific word, apostles. And apostles just mean delegates or ambassadors. Um, the, this particular word shows up here in 314 and again in 630. So if you look at Mark 630... It says, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. So if I have a word that shows up twice in a 16-chapter book, Shanda, do you think that word is the theme of this book? No. Do you know what the Gospel of Mark is not about? It's not about the apostles, right? Uh, they play a significant role in a lot of the interactions with the individuals, but it is not fundamentally about them. It is about the center circle. <laughs> all this stuff orbits around... The Savior, and it is we we like to get distracted sometimes going through the Gospels, and we're like, oh, I got this really obscure question about this or this or this, or what about this and what about this, and it's like, don't miss Jesus, okay? Like, don't miss Jesus. So, and he appointed the twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be. And I've highlighted the word might because there is man, this thing's working amazing today, Dave. It's incredible. So we have had struggle beyond struggle to get a clicker to work in this room in the last six months. And I feel like this is a miracle today. So, And it, it may stop working right now. Because the, the oldest, the oldest uh, church joke that I remember hearing as a little bitty fella was that when the devil fell out of heaven, he fell into the church sound systems, right? Because they don't work. <laughs> Uh, but this Greek mood is subjunctive, and it's the idea that there's a, there's a probability or the possibility of this thing occurring, but it is not certain. He did not use the indicative, the statement of fact, like this is going to happen. He uses the subjunctive so that they might be with him. So were they with him? You know how the story ends. Were they with him? Yes, they were with him. And he might send them out to preach. Did they do that? Yes. And have authority to cast out demons. Did they do that? Yes. Did they all do that? Oh, you know, have you not read your Bibles? They did that. Yes. They all did that. Later on in Mark, they all do that. Did they all do it for the rest of their lives? No. There was that one, right? And there were times of disobedience and lack of faith and different, but they all actually did these things. But I love the use of that subjunctive right there. This was not a guarantee. This was not a complete guarantee. So that they might be with him and he might, another subjunctive, send them out. Now, I want you to look at the Greek word for apostle. I didn't highlight it, but it's after the first highlight of the word apostles. It's apostolos. And the Greek word for send them out, uh, apostello. Do they look similar? Yes, it's because it's the same word. It's just one's a noun, one's a verb. So we do this sometimes in English. We, we like, 
Well, you, 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 I don't know how to make that into a verb, so I just put an ing on it, right? And now it's a verb. Great. Um, but this is the apostles, so that he might apostle them. Yeah, he sent them out, because that's what apostles do. Apostles get sent out. They are set apart, which is that idea of ordaining. This is the setting aside for a very specific purpose. Uh, to what? To preach. And this is the word that is used uh, earlier in Jesus' career when he goes out and he says, repent and believe in the gospel. The kingdom of God is at hand. This is Crusoe. This is the heralding. Um, what I typically do in here is teach. So I am saying, here is what it says. Here is what it means. This is, this is the explanation. The, the vast, vast, vast majority of what we do in this room is explanation. Heralding is saying, Wow, look at that. Is that not amazing? It's declaring and lifting something up and explaining in a way that people and encouraging and, and exhorting people to go follow a specific thing. is a public crier. Some that go into a town and publicly declare. So he sent them out to preach and to have authority. And this is exousia. This is the, the privilege uh, or mastery. Um, my favorite definition of this is, is the third one that's highlighted there after the word authority, delegated influence. I like that a lot. That's a really good one. Now, this word shows up several different times in Mark. The first was in uh, Mark one twenty-two, and you should remember who this was said about. So Jesus goes into the uh, synagogue and was teaching, verse 22, and they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes, right? So this is this, is this mastery definition. He had mastered the Scriptures. And there's a reason he had mastered the Scriptures. Why had he mastered the Scriptures? Because he's the, the Word, <laughs> right? He is the Logos. The, he is the Word of God. Um, it shows up in uh, 127. Uh, he, again, they say this is a new teaching with authority. Uh, it shows up in 6, 7, Mark 6, verse 7. So he says, And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits, which I don't know if you've ever been given a gift and you didn't really understand how big of a deal it was until you went to go use it, right? Because at that specific moment, they hadn't yet kind of pulled the trigger on that gift. They'd been given authority over the unclean spirits, but they hadn't actually done it yet. Imagine the first time they go out, and they're like, you demon, get out, and it, and it happens. Like, whoa, that was a big deal, wasn't it? Like, that was a, that was a really big gift. And you've probably been given, been given gifts at some point where you, it may even take you months or years to realize how big a deal this was. But this was an amazing, incredible gift. So he, he said, I'm going to have you preach and have authority to cast out or to eject demons, which is fantastic. Um, I highlighted the word eject because they're remaking Top Gun 2. And at some point... Um, they're not remaking Top Gun 2. They're making Top Gun 2. And uh, at some point, somebody's going to eject from a plane, and it's going to be really cool. So, anyway. If you're new to this class, we talk about movies periodically. And I'll try to do so with a straight face. Right, Luke? Because it makes it more funny that way. Yeah. Right. So, he uh, to cast out demons. Verse 16. He appointed, the same word as before, poeo, 
uh, he made the twelve. Now, let's talk about work for just a second. So how many of you have a job where you go and you interact with other people at work? Some of you do. Most of you probably do. Yep. Does anybody have a job where you love, the camera's on me, nobody can see this. Does anybody have a job where you love every single person that you work, like every single one to a person all the time? That's what I thought. Okay. Not all of these 12 knew each other. A few of them did. A few of them were related. I don't know if you've ever worked with your relatives before. Because that makes it so much better. (laughs) But Jesus made the 12. He picked these 12 on purpose for His purpose to fulfill the Father's purpose. Very specifically. So when we see, here you go, here's the t-shirt. Oh, look, 936. I'm a minute off. Dang it. That's where I wanted to get to. When we see all these different interactions in between these 12, and we wonder, like, why are they arguing? Because they're at work. And when you're at work with people that annoy you, sometimes you argue. You ever thought about, like, they were at work? They're at work. What was their job? Their job was to learn how to be a rabbi. Because their rabbi was going to leave. And when the rabbi leaves, you get promoted to rabbi. And it is now your job to go make other rabbis. Like, oh, oh, yes, this was on-the-job training for a limited amount of time, and you better be paying attention. But Jesus made the twelve. So as flawed and screwed up as they are at times... And as often as they represent who we are, good gracious, can we not see ourselves in some of their actions and questions and idiotic behaviors? Um, Jesus picked them. So let's talk about the them. So the first is who? Simon. And why is he first? Because he runs fast. No. Um, Sorry. That'll make sense in about two and a half years. Don't forget, he who laughs last thinks slowest, Gabe. It's okay. (laughs) Gabe's back there like, I know, I should be laughing at this, but I'm trying to remember why. All right. So Simon, to whom he gave, or this is a different word for, this is a different Greek word for the word give. This is to impose upon. Uh, Let's look at uh, Mark 6, 5, and I'll show you where where this word shows up. Mark 6, 5 is like the most backhanded compliment in the whole gospel of Mark. Uh, so Mark is writing here and he says, and he could do no mighty work there. He's talking about Jesus. He could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. <laughs> You're like, that's kind of a big deal still, <laughs> right? If you take that verse completely out of context and you said that about somebody, you go, I don't think you, got, I don't think you know what that word means. That, that does not mean what you think it means, right? And so what's the word for impose there? You're like, wait, what? What's the, yeah, he's laid his hands. Because he imposed his hands into their space. All right, Shanda, I keep picking on you this morning. What do you do for a living? Occupational therapist. Do you periodically impose your hands into other people's space for their good to help them get better? Have you ever put your hands on somebody and they were instantly healed? Would that not be so much more efficient, though? Yes. <laughs> 
and you would charge so, so much more, right? Now you're just like, I'm just going to go to the hospitals and hit them up, and, right? Um, he imposed, he laid his hands on them. Mark 8, 23. Some of you right now are figuring out that you've actually come to a Bible study. Bible study is looking at the text and talking about what this means and then thinking through how we can actually go live this. So Mark eight twenty three, uh, And he, this is Jesus, took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. This guy had no idea how safe a hands he was in, did he? It's just, like I'm sure he'd been led around by other people in his life who like bumped him into something. And Like we have a, a blind lady that comes to church here at this campus. And you'll see her, her name is Susan. She's wonderfully positive. And if she hears my voice, hey Jim, how you doing? I'm doing great, Miss Susan. Well good, I thought I heard you over there in the corner. And she, she heckles me. Like it's fantastic. I love it. It's awesome. So, uh, took the blind man by the hand, led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes... All right, Luke, don't, don't do, like, there's some things that we want to do that Jesus did. Don't be spitting in people's eyes, okay? You, you might, yeah, so let's not do that. Uh, and he laid his hands on him. He asked him, he said, do you see anything? And he looked up, the blind man looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on him again. He imposed again. And he opened his eyes and his sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. So this word, like to, I got in somebody's space. And if somebody walks up to you and gives you a new name, they have gotten in your space. Right? So does anybody have a nickname at work? Wait a time out. That you're willing to share that's Sunday school appropriate. Because <laughs> I have worked uh, with laborers early in my years when I still had a body that functioned well. And uh, I had some nicknames, and none of them I would dare repeat in Sunday school. Um, does anybody have a nickname at work? Like, seriously? you have a nickname? Uh, boss Lady. Boss Lady. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> we should maybe explore that later. <laughs> what else? Anybody else got a nickname at work? But they didn't take your nickname to HR and change your HR file. Yeah. To whom he gave the name? Peter. And the crazy thing is that Jesus knows the conversation he's going to have with Peter in a few chapters about the rock and the stone and the pebble and all this stuff. And he's, he's like setting up for that. The planning ability here is just off the charts, right? It's absolutely off the charts. All right, so we got through one apostle. So here's your homework. We'll pick up uh, with verse, where were we at? Verse 16? Uh, 17. We'll pick up with verse 17 uh, next Sunday morning. But here's your homework. On the back side of your handout, on page bottom of page 85, uh, pray for help in understanding Mark. There's your one blank. Albert, we've gone to one blank per Sunday school lesson now, so... 13 is the answer to the blank. Uh, no, so 17 is the answer to the blank. Uh, pray for help in understanding Mark. Uh, hear Mark multiple times. Think about Mark day and off, uh, often, day and night. Talk with someone, dead or alive, about Mark. Share your insights about Mark. And then invite a member and a non-member to Sunday school next week. You have a seventh item I need you to write down. Number seven is read through 
at OurSundaySchool.com. Twelve Apostolic Men. It's a series we did on the Apostles several years ago. That's back when I did, uh, I thought I did cute titles. And if you, <laughs> Shanda's like, yes, you thought you did. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Emphasis on the word thought. Uh, one of my favorite movies of all time is Twelve Angry Men. Um, and this was Twelve Apostolic Men. Few things beat uh, Henry Fonda uh, and all those other guys. It's just a fantastic movie. So uh, I go into a lot of detail, went into a lot of detail about the apostles, uh, each one of them's calling, what they're known for, where they went next, uh, how they're known in culture today, all that sort of stuff. And it will help us move at a reasonable pace next week through uh, that material. So uh, at your tables now, if you will take your weekly update, uh, and if you're sitting at a table by yourself or just with your spouse, I'm going to ask you to hop up and move to a table where there's some empty seats. Uh, but take the weekly update, lean in, engage, uh, pray as a table. And after you have finished praying as a table, you are dismissed to go and to worship this one who has called you. Which is really, really cool. So thanks for coming to Sunday School today, guys. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.